When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They're sending money to gender studies in Pakistan. I viewed it as, I was like, oh, this is a little ridiculous that they're doing that. I did not realize until like two weeks ago, it's like, oh, they're trying to prop up the petrodollar. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's a way to prop up the petrodollar because when, yeah. when there's kind of a liquidity issue with money, money's not moving around, mm-hmm. you send Pakistan, what was it, say it's $100 million or whatever, yeah. they now have to spend that $100 million somewhere and trade in that $100 million. So you're keeping your dollar propped up artificially by people spending it. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. I am. (laughs) All right. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, and today I have my dear friend Kevin with me, who's a fellow metalhead from out in, what the fuck state do you live in? I live in Washington State. That's right. The That's bastion right. of freedom. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I guess uh, you kind of do, um, I forget how we kind of originally met. I know it was over Twitter, and uh, I sparingly follow people back because um i even some of the people that i follow i find insufferable but uh you're definitely not in that group of insufferable people so clearly nice. just to give you a follow back <laughs> nice. tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh you know kind of what you do uh my name is kevin uh i can say my last name. my name is kevin brady i'm an i would say a new libertarian uh over the course of the pandemic i've always kind of been the freedom-minded person but uh i played metal for shoot since i was 15 years old we were uh, i was in a band called into the flood it's still kind of up in the air as as if we're going to get back together or not or play more music we were starting to write but uh we were signed to century media records for a couple years uh did that and then i was a welder now i'm a father and i own a small business yeah dude that's that's awesome yeah i wish uh my band would have been able to do something like that i know um the old guitar player in my band had kind of quit playing guitar and everything because he got so burned out playing music. He's like, man, I put all this time and years under the expectation that we were going to make it big. 
And like, I remember when he said that, I just thought like, why would you do that? Like we all know, and especially after like 2020, um, why would you put your faith in the music industry? Because like you see people just getting fucked left and right doing this kind of stuff. And I'm sure like it's very enjoyable when you get up there, but the, the one phrase that always stuck with me um i think it was rob zombie said like you're not paid for that one hour you're on stage you're paid for the 23 hours of bullshit around that yeah yeah there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes on outside that people don't don't realize like when you when you get signed a lot of people think it's the end all be all and i kind of i kind of fell into that trap like when you get signed the work really happens like that's when you got to start driving and going but unfortunately the industry has kind of a lot of roadblocks um they they artificially like slow everyone down in certain ways. Like our album, we recorded it 20, I want to say, was it 2011? No, it might've been 2011 or the end of 2012. Uh, and it didn't get released for like a year after we, it was done, recorded and mastered finals were sent. And they were just like, chill, <laughs> hang out. <laughs> and I was like, you don't want us to tour. Cause because unfortunately, we signed, We didn't sign one of the 360 deals that are going around. Are you familiar with the 360 deals? No. So so around the time we got signed in 2011, labels were doing 360 deals, which means they, they're, they own your merch. They own a portion of uh, – some of them, they own the portion of your live uh, door. So, wow. so like you get your guarantees and stuff like that. They own a portion of that. So they own your ass. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, we got a pretty decent uh, percentage when we when we signed, and they didn't have that. But like, yeah, they get your doors, your merch, uh, album sales. But you, a lot of times, you have to pay for that stuff out of pocket. So, mm-hmm. so you're paying twenty five hundred dollars for an order of merch, and they're still getting a cut of that. And it's and there's certain things that are kind of sneaky in the music industry. Like mm-hmm. it, this goes for all legal stuff, but. Um, just changing a word of like net or gross can be your entire career. Like we, wow. we found them try to sneak that in uh, with our management contract. It was like uh, it was 15% or 20% gross. And it's like, no, you're not getting the, you're not getting the gross of what we make. Oh, because the gross would be like before taxes. Yes. Before uh... taxes and expenses. So just, just something like that. Oh yeah. It's sneaky. So you, a lot of people get too excited and don't go through, especially when you're a broke band, you don't have the $500 to pay a lawyer to look over that contract just for a management. Oh, it's fine. They're not going to screw us over. They believe in us. They want to make money if we do. It's like, no, they're kind of certain they're trying to make money off of you. So you got to be careful. Um, and and the music industry is, (laughs) it's, it's very competitive. But it's also there's also a lot of gatekeepers in the music industry that people don't realize, um, mm-hmm. and you got to kind of make alliances with people, and you do have to be careful what you say. That's why I really respect what like Phil's saying. Mm-hmm. Phil's kind of going out there. He's he's established now, but we have uh, I'm not gonna say their name, but we have some friends. Uh, singers conservative and. They're kind of blackballed from playing shows in the the U.S., so they're doing a ton of Europe shows, and uh, they're pretty big size, pretty big size band, especially on Spotify. But they can't get any bookings over here. Oh and wow! They were gonna sit out all summer. Yeah, so um, I'm sure you know of uh, Tommy Vexed, and I, I like Tommy a lot, but um, I'm like fifty fifty on his whole story, and I feel like this probably happens 
more often than not where he kind of fell on the sword of saying oh well i got crucified for coming out as a trump supporter but like then you look at his career and every single band that he's been in he's been thrown out of or you know he was like the only guy kind of working in the band that would get thrown out it just when i see something like that i'm like was it because you were conservative or was it because you're an asshole and then he goes on like instagram live saying that he literally like slapped his other band members and was like assaulting people and then yeah, yeah stuff like that it, it, it kind of goes like the bigger theme of there's conservatives who say oh i was canceled but then they end up on the joe rogan podcast and sign like a multi-million dollar deal yeah. that, that doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that you're talking about but i think that's kind of what gets conflated sometimes there they were told to be kind of quiet about everything because uh there were some facebook posts and uh instagram posts and i think that's what that's kind of what happened to us too uh our our singers had kind of a pretty crazy life and uh he's one of one of my best friends since we were probably 16 years old 17 years old and then did the band thing but uh he is very loud about his opinions on online and i think we got kind of blackballed a little bit too in that regard but it is it is (laughs) it is what it is you can't control people yeah so i mean that kind of surprised me because phil like you said is very very outspoken but i think that's because like his band already had a lot of success and he wasn't as outspoken initially at least not as far as i could tell and then once the band kind of already got established because they were part of like that 2002 to like 2007 new wave american heavy metal they established themselves and then he became outspoken. But then again, like you also think about like maybe Rob Flynn or Randy Blythe and they're very explicitly political and they have just different opinions, but it just so happens they probably align with most of the other people in the industry. Whereas Phil is kind of the direct opposite. And I, I do kind of like seeing Phil where he like butts heads with some of the other people. Um, I, I just think all that shit's really fun. Like I remember he, he put out a tweet or something saying like, oh, look, I butt hurt Rob Flynn or something like that. <laughs> when, uh, when did you get uh, that's that's probably a product of the time that he grew up in the metal scene too because it was it was fighting the like a lot of people talk about raging it's a machine and they're like oh they're raging at behest of the machine or whatever yeah. but you got to remember who was in power during that time it was the very 90s. conservative um i was it the 80s was kind of when satanic panic ended and uh so they were against the machine that was their opposite. And so like in the metal scene, it was against the power structures at the time, which would have been more conservative Bush years. Um, Clinton, I mean, I don't, we're a bunch of people, they were still talking about the government, but not as much. Mm. Maybe, I don't know. I wasn't big on the the 90s hardcore scene. I was more into like, at that time probably in sync <laughs> so so i don't know you can you can probably look back and see that there's still a pretty big anti-government push but um during the time i was growing up in the seattle scene you would see like uh info stickers on the back of cars so the, I'm, I'm talking seattle but we had we had the wto protests back up there which was you know against the world trade organization and you had alex jones come out and say that there were uh what do they call them? Uh, not crisis, <laughs> crisis factors. Yeah. Um, um, agent provocateurs. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's where a lot of that, you know, people talk about it now today, but that's where a lot of the sentiment came from. Was like, oh yeah, there's people with military issued boots, and they were holed up in a building. They got let go, and it was just a way to kind of quash the protests. So, we, 
so there's people supporting Alex Jones back then, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And the scene was really kind of where we are today. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we changed. I think a bunch of like suburban kids got joined into the scene. And Mm -hmm. uh, you, you see a lot of richer kids in the metal scene now when it was a, when you're talking about socioeconomic gatherings, it was more lower class back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, especially hardcore metal, but now it's kind of the mainstream when it comes to rock. There's very few rock bands that come out now that are uh, that are big. It's more, you see Bring Me the Horizon, which was like, they were pretty heavy back in the day. Right. They were trying to do the Black Dahlia murder thing. And mm-hmm. so it, it's very interesting how the, the cultural shifts happen. So, so Phil is a product of the era where it was, oh, fuck the government. And he just kind of carried on yeah he kind of moved over i I don't want to i don't want to say he moved over into like the right winger stuff but i mean he hangs around tim pool who no matter what he wants to say he's a maga dude like just just come out and admit it and phil kind of errors in that way if you follow what i'm saying like that's not his default and he'll rip on trump but like if he's going to default on a side, it's going to be on the side of you know more right wingers which is fine and i typically do too but um you know, it, it's it's interesting because he grew, or um he was in the military for a little bit. Now I don't think he ever saw combat. I believe he got it like an honorable discharge yeah. for his knee or something like that. But that was like two thousand. Once again, all that remains got really big, probably around like two thousand six ish. I would want to say because the fall of ideals came out in two thousand five, and then you know that's when you had Trivium, you had Lamb of God, you had Shadows Fall, you had God Forbid, you had Chimera, you had all those bands kind of coming up around that time. And then like the second wave of that seemed to be more of like, maybe like the Born of Osiris, Parkway Drive, um, A Day to Remember. And I'm less big on those bands. I'm more of like the OG, you know, new wave American heavy metal, like that second wave. I don't know. I, I just felt like when I heard Veil of Maya, Born of Osiris, like I liked these bands, but they weren't laying down any new ground. And it wasn't anything that I thought was insanely appealing. Like they didn't just, I, I didn't find anything new there. Yeah. Yeah. There was the, what was it called? The Discovery, the Born of Osiris album. That album is pretty cool. They kind of started doing something a little different. Uh, okay. Um, I would check that one out for sure. But yeah, I, I agree. Until like, um, I think it was about 2012, 2013 when newer bands were starting to step on the scene that it became a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Fit fit for an Autopsy, super oh, good. Love them. They're, so two most, yeah, they're two most recent records I've been listening to a whole ton and they are just absolutely killer. I remember I heard them first on Sirius XM Liquid Metal and it was uh, their 2013 album and the single was uh, Still We Destroy and I remember hearing that I'm like oh man this is <laughs> this shit kills. Yeah. But um, right. yeah it, it seemed like you had like the new wave of American Heavy Metal from like 2002 to 2007 then you had like the second wave from like 2007 to 2012 and like some of those bands dropped off like God forbid broke up in 2012 so did Shadows Fall bleeding through like a, a decent bit of those bands that were kind of like the OGs and, and the one thing I always get like frustrated about is like God forbid like they gave everybody their start they took Trivium on their first tour and look where Trivium is now like Matt Hafey makes like five digits a month off of uh twitch <laughs> and he's, like he's those, killing it yeah oh dude he's yeah, and good for them because trivium kicks ass but like 
God forbid gave them the reins and they just fucking ran with it and like God forbid broke up. So I don't know. When I hear people dog on bad wolves, I'm like, listen, those dudes are veterans. They deserve every last little fucking penny and ounce of success they get because they grinded for 20 years. And that's the shit that nobody sees. Nobody see, you know, nobody saw vexed back in the day where Tommy was playing in a room of like 20, 30 people, yep. but, you know, shit like that, or God yep. forbid back um, you know, in preservation or something like that. Nobody saw um uh not chris kyle um i can't remember the, he played for burr you're dead in 2007 and then john berklin and devil driver like nobody saw those dudes when they were nobodies now they see them in bad wolves, talking about mike say. mike terry or no oh uh chris uh he was a guitar player guitarist. And, uh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He, he left bad wolves but originally when they first started out he was their uh guitar player and then john berklin played drums for devil driver um i think on their first or second album but once again, nobody saw that. But yeah. as soon as Bad Wolves, you know, blew up with Zombie, everyone's like, "Oh, they're a one-hit wonder." And their one-hit wonder was a cover. I'm like, "Nah, dude, come on. You guys have no idea what you're fucking talking no, about." It's because that one-hit wonder uh, shadows everything that they've ever done because it's at like 500 million views. Yeah, that's right. that's only YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's insane numbers, especially for rock metal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't get the recognition that it should today, but. That's just cultural cultural shifts mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah, the the one thing that I always admired about Pantera was that they were um kind of adamant in who they were throughout the nineties. Cause you know, everybody always talks about oh Metallica sold out and like I I'll I'll die on this hill all day. I love everything Metallica put out. Um, you know, obviously there's stuff that I like more or less, but like their nineties stuff. The Black Album is actually like my least favorite album from Metallica from that era. I loved Load and Reload, and I even like Saint Anger a decent bit, other than like the mix. But um, that snare man. There, oh, there's people that have uh, that have actually fixed the snare sound on the albums, which is pretty cool. Did I you wish ever... it would just release the the mix. Yeah. Did you ever see uh, that there was a band who did the whole album front to back, mixed completely differently, and it was yes. so good. Yes. The, uh, new singer and everything too, right? yeah yes yeah they just did the album mm-hmm. and it was it was actually really good yeah. i forget what their name was but shout out to them yeah. <laughs> yeah all right guys we are going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about the show's sponsor we are now brought to you by fox and sons coffees you can see right here i got the den blend dark really enjoy that um i've been drinking a lot of their brazil honey prep right here you can hear there's not a lot of beans left in it because i've been drinking it quite a bit um just tell you a little bit about fox and sons why i support them and why you should too is that uh steven had started the company up in michigan to help teach his son about entrepreneurship um i'm all about that and i do firmly believe that in order to spread liberty in our lifetimes we have to support those who support similar values as us and steven does support all the same libertarian values that i bring and talk about on the show a lot so go to foxandsons.com use code kyle at checkout to get 15% off of orders $25 or more and there's always free shipping whenever you place an order that is more than $37.99 um find their coffee absolutely fantastic and I'm sure you will too so uh, one more time go to foxandsons.com use code Kyle at checkout to get yourself a little discount let them know I sent you and support the coffee that supports you all right guys thanks back to the show and I, I actually really like the way that turned out, but like, how can you not listen to like the unnamed feeling? And that is just like one of the dirtiest, meanest songs ever. And like, get the fuck over the mix. Like the guitars sound like shit. The drums sound like shit, but like the songwriting pretty fucking good. But like Pantera stood out is like the one band who just continued to get heavier and heavier and heavier and still like top the charts. There, there was just some, there, there are very, very unique 
banned for that kind of error. It almost like I can almost draw a parallel to saying like how Trump was for politics. Like he was a very polarizing figure and was just him. Now he he had like a good intuition, but like Pantera was just Pantera throughout the nineties. They didn't yep. say we're going to go be grunge. We're not going to do this. We're going to be us. And we're going to see what happens. They did. They did their own thing. Right. I love it. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a, it's like kind of when Slayer hit the scene, obviously there were some other thrash bands, but they just did something different that mm-hmm. it's still last today. You know, you go, you go to a metal show and you'll hear somebody randomly scream Slayer. It's like the, <laughs> uh, yeah. what, what's his face? The wrestler. Woo! It's like oh, yeah, it's Rick like Flair. the woo for metalheads. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. It's the it's the Ric Flair for metalheads. Slayer. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like real recognized. Real. I, I was never a big fan of Slayer, but I could always like appreciate what they did. It's like the same way I feel about um Led Zeppelin. I I don't like Led Zeppelin at all, but it's like you can kind of recognize the downstream influence that they had in a lot of musicians, and it's like you know that that shit's cool. So you know, respect. A hundred a hundred percent. And then you look into like all the songs they stole, and you're like, damn. Do you think that's legit? Some of it, but I mean, at the time they're playing the popular music. Some of it is, it's it's a little rough, but a lot of it was they're just playing off blues. And so I wonder how much of it is intentional stealing, which some of it definitely, allegedly was. And uh, some of it could be subconscious. You hear something at a show one night and you're like, oh, that was super cool. And then you forget about it in a year. And you're writing something, you're, you know, you're hitting those notes as you're writing, just diddling around. You're like, oh, that would be cool if I went up to this and this and this. And then unintentionally, you didn't realize that you stole a song that I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that happens a lot. Yeah. Especially I, with ideas too. I think that's probably how a lot of shit happens because I know like I'll listen to stuff and then I'll just kind of pick up and start riffing along and I don't have any mind for if it sounds like anything, like I'm just playing music and then I bring it to the band. Um, so actually, I kind of want to know about your songwriting process because I, I was explaining this on another show recently, but like, it, it's kind of like I write a riff and then I bring it and we don't know if that's going to be like the entree is in like the main part of the song or if that's going to end up being a side or just like a small part. Like we had this song, Gemini, and uh, the one riff I came up with, you would never like, it, it's not even like a mainstay in the song, but we built the song around that. Um, So I, I know that's kind of like an odd thing but you know when you were writing songs i know you said you were kind of writing again um how do you guys kind of go about it uh, a lot of time <laughs> it, it starts kind of with a guitarist that has kind of a riff or a melody and uh we'll really refine it down rhythmically afterwards and then the vocalist our, our uh, vocalist brendan was he's a guitarist too so he'll come in with his input like hey what if you go to this note or whatever i could do a pitch screaming thing over here i can do Oh, this is going to be a singing chorus or this is going to be this or that or blah, blah, blah. Um, but a lot of it is worked out melodically by rhythm guitar first, uh, drums hop in and then lead guitar. And then if lead guitar adds some flair that I want to accent, I'll typically start messing around with the accents on cymbals or whatnot. Um, it just, it really depends. But a lot of times it's, he bring our rhythm guitarist brings the bare bones to it. Like the, the meat and potatoes, we call it. And, and he's one of those guys that likes to write a song all the way through. We've done, we've done songs where we've gotten in a room and been like, we don't have anything. What do you guys want to do? And then somebody will have a riff like, okay, maybe I do have a riff here. Um, figure out what key it's in. Okay. Do you have any other riffs that, that fit that key? Oh yeah. This one. Um, 
and then we just start building and building and building. It's like, okay, well, I have this drum idea that I want to do. And then it's just layering, 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 layering until we, we kind of start refining the process. And uh, we kind of had like a sixth unsung member of the band, which was our, our producer. Um, have you ever heard of the band Seven Horns, Seven Eyes? That sounds familiar, but uh, I can't say I know them. So they, I, I believe it was Metal Sucks, gave them album of the year in like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Those commies. <laughs> yeah, Metal Sucks sucks. Dude, Lamb Goat's, Lamb Goat is rough. If, uh, hi. When I've people say when people when people say don't read the comments, don't read the comments on Lamb Goat. <laughs> They're the worst. I'm gonna have to look now. They'll pick out every trait that you don't like about yourself, even if you look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> it's just like Brad Pitt's got one eye that looks slightly to the left. <laughs> you can't tell Brad Pitt's exactly looking yeah. at you or like you're a dick or something. It's a bunch of neck beards and fedoras just tearing you apart. <laughs> um, it kind of let like the uh, chat run the article. <laughs> essentially yeah they'll put out a paragraph and go get at him boys <laughs> <laughs> it's just like um, it's it's sweaty so now you guys got signed and did, did you do like touring and you know what was that kind of like back in so that was you said 2011 ish yeah so in 2011 we uh we played our first show in july 2011 and then we had a record deal on the table uh the end of 2011 we kind of we rose up pretty quick in our local scene mm. and kind of stood out there was a local manager he he lived up here for years we were kind of acquainted um and then he went down to la and joined century media and kind of did their management company mm. and so our manager who i was just the kind of mutual friends with was like dude would you guys go on going on is really cool uh, we want to sign you. And so it's like, we just played our first show when that happened. Uh, we released like a five track EP and he's like, reel this EP in, we're going to sign you. And it's like, okay. And so he had us stop giving the EP out for free. And he's like, let's finish an album. And so, <laughs> so we got kind of shelved till essentially 2013. We played, we did a couple tours. We had a couple lined up to do bigger stuff, but I think what happened was people's voices got in the way uh, like social media stuff mm -hmm. and uh, we got kind of blackballed a little bit and we were supposed to be uh, the the president of cm was like uh hey yeah we're gonna take you on some big tours we're gonna put you on this tour that tour blah 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 and we we do like local meetups and stuff like that here for the the century media bands but during that time it was kind of a weird it was weird because we weren't signed directly to century media they had uh two subsidiaries they had one that was called uh hollywood waste which was like their their attack attack party band so that they can sign those bands because century media is very like eurocentric metal or just like standard metal um and then they had one called ain't no graves which was like a it was managed by this guy ryan downey who was if you know who ryan is he's pretty big in the industry and that was his attempt at like kind of starting a label but um they were christian and so we were we were a christian band at the time mm -hmm. um and then we weren't but long long story short the the two subsidiaries collapsed and then century media as we're talking to them like hey we need to get on these tours you're telling us to not play any local shows you're telling us to not go travel down to like even oregon northern california to go play shows we need to play some shows 
because now we're kind of fizzling out locally. Like what, yeah. what do you guys want us to do? And, um, so we ended up just putting ourselves on a couple tours because they weren't coming through. And it turns out they were in talks with Sony to buy out century media. Mm-hmm. And we were one of the bands that were probably going to get shelved, even though they put money into our album. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. So they already knew we were shelved before. It was like, it was done before the album came out. So it was like our album came out and a month later it was shelved. We recouped everything. Like they got their, uh, they got their money back on us for sure. But now Sony owns our record and it's kind of weird. Wow. So do you get any royalties from that? Yeah, they'll still, they'll still send us checks. It's nothing crazy now that nobody's selling anything, but we still get a few hundred dollar checks here and there. So, but it's, the industry's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I'm seeing like the latest thing, and I'm sure you're probably seeing this too, is that uh, now merch or uh, venues are taking cuts of merch because um, it, it seems like they use like touring bands usually made their money from selling tickets and selling merch. But like now I remember seeing um, like the Torch had to cancel their one tour because yep. they couldn't get a bus like. And to me, that was like a real red flag. I want to say it was like late 2020, maybe even 2021. And I remember just thinking like, wow, this is pretty fucked. Like when you have a band and they're not huge, but I mean, we're talking about Howard fucking Jones. I mean, yeah. he's one of the biggest fucking names in metal. Yep. And they're like, big in, they're big enough to get a bus. Yeah. And they're talking about struggling. And I remember back in like 2000. 15 or 16 uh greg christian i think his name was who played bass for testament saying he only made like 38 grand a year i'm like dude this this industry is fucked man <laughs> like dino dino Cazares too from uh what fear factory. how many how many bands has he been in fear factory divine yeah, fear heresy factory, yeah. uh assassino or assassino mm. yeah he's been in a ton of different bands and um he's like i don't know if this is sustainable and um you're going to see a lot more people just revert to online. That's, that's what sucks, especially gas prices. Uh, our first encounter with that dealing with a merch cut was in California. We went down and played the whiskey for our first tour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, our, our merch guy was like, he was, he was our buddy that was in the military and he took leave for like a month or whatever to be, to come on our tour. He's like, uh, the whiskey wants a cut of, I, I can't remember. It's like 15 or 20, 15%. I want to say, they want 15% of merch sales. And that was right when Square or Square Cash was coming out, Cash App. So I was like, hey, just don't do cash. Just run the Cash App. And then so I was like, do a little bit of cash. And he was like, okay, got you. And then <laughs> we ended up walking away with a bit more than we should. Uh, it's, I fuck it. This is statute of limitations over. It's we like ended up walking until 12 yeah, years yeah. later. But, but there was loopholes then, but now they're, they're watching you. And so that's the unfortunate thing with merch. They should not be getting cut of your merch. Yeah. We're not paying. We're not paying a four hundred dollar fee or something like that to set up a booth. Right. Like we're bringing people into your venue, mm-hmm. and if if you lose on it, you lose on it. That's a risk you take as a venue. Right. Um, and one of the things we saw down there was uh, there's a big thing of pay to play down in California. I don't know what it's like on the East Coast. Um, no, I, I I haven't had any experience with pay to play. I we just normally get on shows and then we have to sell a fuck ton of tickets. Uh, so okay, so with those tickets, do you eat whatever you don't sell? Um, some shows it was like that, but pretty rare. We we normally do good enough that we don't really have to worry about that. But normally it's like, hey, you have a minimum threshold of thirty tickets, and then whatever you sell from there, you make a little bit back, and then if you sell this many, then you start making a little bit more back. 
something we were noticing down in California, we talked with a couple of the local bands we were playing with, and uh, there was one band that said they paid like $2,500 the previous year just to play shows because because what they do is it's not 30 tickets or anything reasonable. They'll hand you a stack of 100 tickets and go, uh, you owe us X amount of dollars. That's it. There's no giving tickets back or anything like that. You owe us X amount of dollars for the tickets. Whatever you don't sell, you owe us. And uh, yeah, it was which is which is crazy because the band that opened for us the first time was um, they were like 15, 16 year old kids. So the parents have to sign a permission slip, and then the kids owe the rest. So it's like you're. It's not a good environment to be able to like play shows and learn. I understand that the businesses need to make money for sure, but when you have bars it should help quite a bit. And uh, the first night we played down in LA, we had met uh, Mike Shinoda was walking around and <laughs> yeah, randomly. So, so Mike Shinoda was walking around and he was doing like a mini documentary for uh, a band called hybrid theory. And then there was this, uh, there was this creepy guy that walked up to us. And I was like, this guy's a little weird, but it happened to be their guitarist. Uh, you know, the guy that wears the big headphones. Oh yeah. 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 So he was, he walked up and just goes, hands us this flyer and i was like cool dude nice thanks and then he he uh he walked off and i was like that guy looks oddly familiar though and then mike shinoda walks up with a camera and just starts talking to us and uh, we got a picture so that happened and then the keyboardist for the doors passed away mm-hmm. so if you know anything about the history of the whiskey at gogo the doors were the house band for years mm-hmm. and so so <laughs> just randomly that night he he passed away and so it was packed so i'm sure those kids would have been fine on tickets that night but yeah it was pretty wild yeah dude it's it seems so fucking cutthroat and you said 15 percent for merch cuts i see most bands was, saying no don't quote me on that it was some it was something like 10 to 15 percent. okay but i mean like most bands are saying now it's like 30 percent, like 30 to 40 percent like holy fuck so um i proposed this on that same podcast i think what's going to happen is um, you're going to see fewer and fewer small bands doing like the little bar runs and shit like that. And yep. you're going to see more and more festivals popping up, which we are seeing. And yep. then um, like the bigger bands, they'll probably be fine. Like your Metallica and bands up them and maybe even bands like Trivium and Killswitch Engage. They might yep. be all right. But though like bands that aren't as big as like the ones that I just mentioned, they're probably just going to play big festival shows and then do shit online yeah, that's that's kind of going to be the future of music, and it's super sad because the more we're, the more technology advances, the more we are retreating into the internet, yeah. and uh, people aren't going to have those real life experiences. And it's something I worry about as a father too. Mm-hmm. Um, people talk about what what's happening in schools and um, just what's how ha- what's happening on the internet. We we want people to get out of the house and to have real interactions right. with people and be in the real world and. Um, music is one of those things culturally that binds people together and mm-hmm. uh, you can, you can come together and not like each other politically, but have an experience together. That's, you know, it, it's above that. It's about just being a human and enjoying something and uh, having, having friends and making memories. And the more that goes away, I think the worst society is going to be for sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of like a microcosm of the culture wars. It just is, you know, government power gets to be more and more and more that everything has to be political. Everything has to be a fight on that culture war ground. So I think it's so sad because like you said, music really transcends all that. Like I disagree with some members of my band about some stuff, but like we understand that not only do we love and respect each other, 
but also this isn't about politics and uh, it's just everybody's so at each other's throats about shit like that and i i I really try to wind it down because you see everybody say oh the left wants me dead and now it's you know everything that i don't like is demonic it sounds like a couple years ago when every every everybody that disagrees with me is a nazi and racist it's like we we can't like have a society that works like this this is just too stupid it's literally demonic is my favorite (laughs) saying right now it's like okay it's i made a point a couple years ago because i got into libertarianism after uh after a pandemic happened i was i was kind of i was i was kind of on that that side to begin with but i read uh god what's up i'm not my mind is not working i haven't had enough coffee anatomy Um, of the state anatomy i read anatomy of the state and i I, I thank you uh i applied it to kind of everything that was going on everything that's happened Mm -hmm. before and i was like okay this makes this makes the most sense Mm -hmm. and then i read a creature creature from jekyll island and especially in in 2021 uh when the meme stock stuff was happening Mm -hmm. um it's still it's still kind of going on a lot of people don't know the full story of everything that's going on but I was trying to warn after I read Anatomy of the State, I was telling a lot of people in various discords and online, like, hey, you need to be careful because mm-hmm. you're you're asking the SEC to, you know, have your back on this when people are screwing you over. But they're there to prop up the system. They're not there to if, if they're looking at a figure of, okay, these people could literally collapse portions of the market, mm-hmm. then we're not going to support them. It's only three, 4 million people versus the X. What is it? 160 million people, 200 million people that have money in the stock market. They're not going to give 4 million people the money, even though they're playing the game correctly. Mm-hmm. They're going to yeah. bail out the hedge funds and they're going to, they're going to make sure that you get screwed over mm-hmm. and everything else is fine for now. Okay. So yeah, I kind of want you to elaborate on this, but I, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but um, that whole game stonk thing was hilarious, but it, it like perfectly encapsulates how the game is played, right? The elites get to run up a stock and, you know, or, you know, what is it? Uh, go short on it and make yep. all this money. But as yep. soon as the little guy figures out how to do it, that's when they fucking cut off your access and say, no, you can't do that. So it's like, oh, it literally is. This is for the elites. This is not a game for you and me. This is a game for them. That's exactly what the fuck happened. And I, I like, it didn't seem to be as big of a deal as it should have been. Like, this should have been a fucking red flag on everybody's radar. Like, th- they literally just showed their hand completely. As soon as we figure out how to play the market, you lose. But as soon as they figure it out, they they get to keep doing it. Yeah, and there's tools now that people can use. Uh, uh, I got a friend, uh, his name's Astro. He's, su- you know who Astro is in the stock market? Mm-hmm. He's he's just a, he's a meme guy, but he uh, he kind of branched off. He made, I think he put, fif- he put $500 into AMC, bought some options before it ran up and made like $40,000 in a couple of days. Holy and so shit. like, so he's one of those guys that kind of, he started breaking down market mechanics, but the goal of investing in stocks, you can you can long-term invest and go, okay, this company's going to be something one day, leave money in for 10, 20 years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at um, trades and see what the institutions are doing. That's why you see all the people with the charts and the, the craziness. They're doing technical analysis because they're trying to see what is the big guy doing. They're not trying to go, okay, this is going to break out here and do this and that. It's They're literally just trying to go, okay, uh, I think JP Morgan's somebody big got in this play. I want to ride with them. And so you're going to get in a little bit after them, and you're going to get out a little after than them. And uh, 
there's there's really no winning. You're just kind of along for the ride. And it's funny because you see you will see a stock run for no reason. And then two hours later, a news article comes out that has the most innocuous headline. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, this this stock is up because water is more expensive now. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So so you see a lot of the, I think there there's a red pill moment or whatever you want to call it in 4 million retail investors after seeing a lot of that stuff. And I've seen a lot of the people go from just standard, oh, trust the news to what the hell's going on? You guys are manipulating the markets through media and doing this and that. And so there's, there's a big, I think that's why you're seeing a lot more people hover towards the, the Liberty movement Mm -hmm. when, when they know that they can't win a game that they're playing fairly and the people that run the game have tools that you don't have access to. A lot of them run supercomputer algorithms Mm -hmm. that are literally running 24 seven. There's, there's no winning the game Mm -hmm. and it, it sucks. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a fuck you, little guys. We're winning. <laughs> yeah, it literally is. Uh, is George oh. Carlin once said, "It's a it's a big club, and you're not in it." Yeah, that that whole situation was so funny to me. And I remember uh, some of my coworkers um, at the dealership I used to work at. They were actually the one dude was one of the biggest um, donating Trump supporters in pennsylvania and i remember him saying i like this he's like i like the little guys making out here he yeah. said oh yeah well they fucked around and they found out and they made money and now they just or now they turned around and said oh well you guys can't do that but he was all about it so it was just kind of cool because at that moment i'm like oh these guys kind of they get it too now unfortunately they don't get like the whole the picture but they yeah. see this little microcosm and kind of see like the chink in the armor there yeah and it's funny because I, I have a friend who he's one of my one of my best friends. He was a he's a socialist, and I've kind of showed him. Oh, don't some of you the know stuff. he wants you dead? Just, <laughs> yeah. just ask all the right wingers on Twitter. He, he's gonna like come. He's gonna creep out from underneath your bed and put a bullet in your head because you disagree on economics, or at least that's what all the libertarians tell me. Yeah, <laughs> and and like he's still he's still pulling for like oh student loan debt forgiveness, and then I'll have conversations with him about it, and it's like yo, it doesn't no, it's not gonna work. What do you do about this and that and whatever? Mm-hmm. But I think I think having conversations with those people, they don't want you dead. They no. they want to go to the same place that you do most mm-hmm. of the time. There's the fringe weirdos that want you up against the wall, but that's the minority. That's the that's the minority. Um, and he's now more libertarian and it's kind of funny to hear some, see some of the texts he sends me cause he was socialist. And when that whole thing was going on, I was like, Hey, this is going on quick, uh, quick spark notes. I've got you. Um, yeah, we, we can, we can change people's minds just by showing them the reality of the world and the intricacies of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A lot of people just want a simplistic explanation. That's why you see some people go to religion. Some people will go to government as the religion. And people people want a savior. Mm-hmm. People want somebody to pull them out of a shitty situation. Yeah. Um, the one point that I've elaborated on a lot on the show is that generally you're going to have to be your own hero. And I think a lot of people have this savior complex with whether it be DeSantis, Trump, or Biden. But like maybe it's just because of the people that I'm around being that I'm an automotive technician. But like I really think these people believe that like if we would just elect Trump, then everything's going to be okay. Um, I think people really thought that after 2020 and it's funny because like the worst the lockdowns happened under Trump's watch and the right had did a very, very smart, like everything kind of fell into their lap exactly the way they wanted it. And it may not seem like that if you're looking at it from like, you know, just a very, very base level, but like all the inflation, the disasters that have happened under Biden, they still would have happened under Trump. Like the yeah. overwhelming majority of them would have happened under Trump. I don't think he would have sent as much money over to Ukraine, but that's like neither here nor there. Still yeah. a lot of this shit would have happened. But like Trump gets to slip out and say like, oh, all this inflation this is, is – Yeah, this is on oh, yeah. him. Like yeah. he – like it, ideally it all fucking worked out because now they, they have a great campaign to run – for uh, you know this upcoming election because they have oh, oh I'm gonna fix all these problems. What does Trump say all the time? I'd have the I'd have the war in Ukraine over in less than 24 hours. Yeah, accordion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I I think he actually lucked out not not taking the brunt of that, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably one of the biggest things Joe Biden has had to kind of take on. But there's also a lot of the Democrats did enable it. It was a Absolutely. lot of their spending policies right. and uh, something, something interesting that, you know, when uh, the whole omnibus bill came out, they're talking about, well, they're sending money to gender studies in Pakistan. I viewed it as I was like, oh, this is a little ridiculous that they're doing that. I did not realize until like two weeks ago, it's like, oh, they're trying to prop up the petrodollar. I didn't, I didn't realize that that's a way to prop up the petrodollar because when, yeah. when there's kind of a liquidity issue with money money's not moving around you send pakistan what was it say it's a hundred million dollars or whatever they now have to spend that hundred million dollars somewhere and trade in that hundred million dollars so you're keeping your dollar propped up artificially by people spending it yeah i i i I, I never thought about that until a couple weeks ago and i always found that interesting because i was like ah oh gender studies in pakistan what do they need gender uh, gender studies for but who's going to audit it? Who's auditing that? And, you know, you go down the boomer con thought process of it. And it's like, oh, they're playing a different game right now. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that I know Dave Smith has pointed out quite a bit, but it, it's true that like they'll get you fighting on a lot of this culture war stuff and you'll miss out on the fact like this fucks over everybody. Like that $100 million that went over for gender studies, it wasn't about the gender studies. This is about, you know, once again, the, the big guy and making out and the little guys getting fucked this is about them stealing Mm. your purchasing power and sending it over there rather than you know fixing the issues that we have here in the united states which is 
you know, that seems to go over everybody's head, but they're too busy with this binary of, oh, Biden's bad, Trump's good, Trump's bad, Biden's good, you know, whatever. So they focus on that rather than, you know, or, or like the whole Lockheed Martin with a rainbow flag in their profile picture. Like, they, they don't care about LGBTQIA, CIA, whatever. They don't care about that. They nope. just want you to ignore what they're doing. They, they want your eyes there instead of over here. Yeah, it's catnip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's literally it's like yeah how can we how can we give them a little bit of a buzz make these people happy or make these people angry they'll just focus on it, it doesn't matter if it makes them happy or angry they're focusing on it mm -hmm. yeah so um one thing that you've brought up a little bit and I i've listened to like robbie martin's um roundups on this a little bit but like some of the q anon stuff um, a lot of the right-wingers will say that QAnon was just like a nothing burger, and that's honestly kind of where I error into, but sometimes it almost seems like some of these people are like diehard QAnoners, like Marjorie Taylor Greene was like real big into it, yep. and now it seems like she's kind of separated herself from it because she won't like say anything about it, and there are supposed to have been other members in Trump's cabinet that like I hate using the term, but dog whistled to it. Um, yes. What's kind of like your thoughts and your synopsis of that? Okay, so the whole th the whole thing started. I was watching. I'm very in MMA. Uh, MMA is th that's the only sport I really watch anymore. And I was watching. Some people, some of your listeners, might be familiar with Fight Companion. Joe Rogan will um, have a live UFC. They'll put the timestamp up, and then they'll bas basically banter back and forth. So as the fight's going, you can see, you can hear him talk about the fight. Um, and you, are you familiar with Eddie Bravo? Yeah, I know who he is. So, so Eddie Bravo actually brought up an account. God, it's got to be in 2019. Um, and so I'd kind of like ghost followed one of these big QAnon accounts. I was like, okay, what's this about? And blah, blah, blah. And the thing that lures people in is it they talk about a lot of legitimate stuff that's not being talked about in the mainstream media. And I think, mm. I think a lot of the failure of mainstream media has attributed to the rise in QAnon. And so you have people hearing about John Durham before the investigation happens because of these drops or whatever. It's It sounds crazy as you listen to it, yeah. but some of the stuff it's like, okay, this is legitimate. And so they have little slivers of, of truth mm -hmm. and sometimes big slivers of truth, but they paint a narrative over that so that people start to believe it. And have you watched Into the Storm before? No. It's on HBO. It's a documentary about QAnon and the people that ran uh, ran the website. I, I'm not trying to YouTube. We're just talking about it. We're not trying to get canceled right now. But it's super interesting documentary, and you can see that it was these guys that had this obscure website that had a lot of terrible things on the website. Um, I won't go into it. It was it was 4chan on steroids, essentially. But then there was people that would believe that there was this good Christian, you know, anonymous account that chose this website to host yeah. and say all the stuff on it. But you had people. So this account was called Praying Medic, and uh, I I never actually followed them, but I'd check in once every few months to be like, okay, what are what are they saying now? What's mm -hmm. going on now? Especially when the crazy stuff would happen. I was like, okay, what are they going off about? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to win. Where we, where we go one, we go all. <laughs> they do some crazy stuff. But um, I, I noticed that because I was following Bobert. I was like, okay, she seems decent. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed she, you know, at the bottom of Twitter when it says followed by blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was following that account. And uh, so... 
Tim Pool had her on not too long ago, and I actually had a super chat come through. I was like, "Hey, uh, you know, does what does Lauren Bobert think about praying medic?" And then her she went white for a quick second. No um, you, I, I got the screenshot on my phone. I'll send it to you afterwards. But she went white, and I was like, "I'm not trying to do a gotcha moment, but like I wanted her to go." Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Like that was that was dumb. There was some thing I wanted her to explain it a little bit, but mm. politicians. She just kind of sidestepped it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to pull up the screen. Oh, it was she, I. She went like this. She went. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what they're talking about. And like Tim, I don't think Tim had any idea either because he was mm -hmm. just like, "What do you think?" <laughs> well, it, Tim Pool can't hurt the MAGA conservative grift. That's that's completely his fucking wheelhouse. He'll do whatever he can to make a fucking buck off those dumb motherfuckers. Not all of them. I, I I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's a little bit jaded on my part. But <laughs> um, you know, it is kind of funny because like they're all supposed to be brands, if you will, for this socially conservative, you know, pro-family American, you know, small business kind of life. But then like. You know, they're running around on their husbands, they're getting divorces, they're cheating, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene supposedly sleeping with Alex Stein or, you know, shit like that. And the it's rumor like, mill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just like, you guys are all brand and it's not about what you're actually doing. This is about, you know, painting an image to get people to vote for you. It's not about what that vote actually means to those people. It's about your brand. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. It's it's the grift. And so when you have people like people were correct at calling Lauren, Lauren, Bur Lauren Bobert, a uh, QAnon candidate. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think that's actually a fair assessment. And uh, there's some people that are, they're going to kind of have to come ter to terms with it. But when their base is still there, mm -hmm. they can just deny it, deny it, deny it. You can go look up the hashtags that people still, people still believe it. Mm-hmm. People still believe it and they're still going, oh, we're going to win. Uh, the, but there was like, there was kind of a spectrum within the, that movement. And it was the people that thought JFK Jr. is going to come back. And, and then there was other people that thought, you know, some, that people were drinking certain fluids and adrenochrome. Yes. Yeah, the, yes. The from yes. The baby's brains. Yes. I think you could say that on YouTube, but at least I don't know if you, you okay. can get banned for saying it, but um, yeah, yeah it, it's, kind of what you were saying earlier is this kind of what conspiracy stuff has to do so like there are legit conspiracies but when you start yes. getting over into this alex jones territory of literally everything is a psyop and literally everything's a conspiracy you start to lose me like the treatment if you know what i'm referring to um when it comes to uh 2020 uh people say that's population control it's like i that these extremes just get so ridiculous because i'll pull up papers studies to you know show you where this did fail and where this is harming people but though when you go to the extreme now the problem is is now you discredit all the people who are credible on that side because now it's like 9-11 truth right all the people who say no planes well now you just made a tar baby for the whole 9-11 truth movement and now people like ryan dawson adam fitzgerald who do the legitimate work on 9-11 and read you know the 28 pages and the canistrero documents um now they look like idiots because you have a bunch of people saying a missile hit the pentagon or something like that yes all right guys um i'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor um i am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through lmnt electrolytes um i have used these electrolytes for years um back when i used to do a lot of fasting in fact i used to drink 
sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes in water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Yeah, no, 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 totally. There's there's certain things that are that are kind of weird that Jones is, he's brought up. You have uh, people meeting, if, if you say it in a weird way, how did, how did I phrase this, phrase this to my uh, father-in-law? Um, we were talking about something that was kind of a little obscure. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, if I would have told you in 2015 that there was a group of elite pedophiles that went to an island and that included CEOs and politicians, you would have thought I was crazy. Yeah. So, so there's real Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. So there's, there's real things that go on Bohemian Grove. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be them playing, but they get together in robes, probably talk policy and what they're going to do high-powered CEOs, politicians, mm -hmm. and they do a mock sacrifice. Like they do, they do weird stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's not real. It's not, it's not a real thing, but Walter Cronkite narrates it. It's his voice mm -hmm. during the ceremony. So it's like, everybody's like, Oh, I wish we can go back to having a voice like Walter Cronkite. It's like, do you really, do you really want to go back there? Mm -hmm. It's, there's a homogeneity to it. When mm -hmm. people think back then, when you only had one or two news sources, and now we just, we have a bunch of independent voices that we have to kind of sift through the mud. And I find that infinitely better. Infinitely. Yeah, I, I think the problem now is that people are still treating the media landscape as if it's like 2008, 2012. And it's funny because you'll hear people say, Tim Poole and Joe Rogan get more views than mainstream media. But, you know, this is mainstream media and, you know, all the mainstream media, all they do is lie, the corporate press and all this. It's like, well... I think you guys kind of misunderstand what mainstream is now. Like you're still assessing that MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, you still think they're like number one. The next generation coming up, they don't listen to that anymore. I mean, and they'll all say it, oh, legacy media is dead, but you're still acting as if it's like relevant. Like RFK Jr. now is going around like all these podcasts doing interviews. He's no longer going on like Fox News or anything like that. Yeah. So, like, we have to start assessing the media landscape from this level, and it's a little bit more difficult because these people aren't necessarily gatekept, and, like, anybody can get out there, so it's harder to pick through some of this information because, like, a lot of people just tend to think that dissident media is right no matter what, and they just yeah. take it without kind of verifying stuff, and, and that's, like, the biggest problem now is that um, people who say they're not biased do have a bias, and you don't know that you're getting some things omitted from what you're watching. Yeah, and I think I think that's due to the failure of the media over the years, especially yes. when we grew up. Um, this they hate us because of our freedom, mm -hmm. and that that wasn't that wasn't just Fox News. Yeah. That was that was everybody in unison, mm -hmm. and so you have a lot of people like myself that are 
rea- not I wouldn't say I'm reactionary, but just mm-hmm. when things happen, I go, what's the other story? Like, right. what's, the, what's the other side of this? Because the failure of the media for years, there was no, okay, this is kind of what's going on. They had to have their stamp of, this is exactly what's going on because it's going on and blah, blah, blah. We had some CIA officials tell us this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And nobody critically going, you know, what? what's their angle to, why would they tell us this? Mm-hmm. Why would our intelligence tell us this? And why nobody would go, why am I repeating exactly what they say? Like it's truth. And mm-hmm. so you have people that are going to naturally listen to Jimmy Dore or Tim pool and go, this is the truth. And it's like, no, the truth is probably somewhere in between the corporate press and Alex Jones. Yeah. Unfortunately it's somewhere in there. Right. Well, you have a narrative and you have a counter narrative and it's like, I almost get annoyed with people who say, I'm just, you know, Oh, the current thing, the current thing I'm against the current thing or already against the next current thing. It's like, well, you shouldn't just blanketly assume that you should be on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, why don't you kind of assess everything that's going on and find out what the truth is to the best of your ability rather than just assuming that everything you're being told is a lie? Because, in fact, some of the time it might be truthful. It might be 100% truthful, but they're just not giving you the entire piece. And I think that's what all media does. Yeah, the <laughs> the lying by omission. Mm-hmm. And there's there's nothing you can do about it. I So, okay, let me bring us back. So when I first kind of started noticing this, uh, it was 2000, I want to say it was 2009 or 2010, mm-hmm. um, my vocalist. So his, he's had a pretty, I had mentioned earlier, he had a pretty rough life. Yeah. Uh, his mother was shot and killed in front of him um, on his front porch. And I, it was my 21st birthday. It was like the night before my 21st. We're already drinking beers in the garage, uh, ready to go pick up a six pack or whatever after midnight. And um, he called me and he was like, pray for my mom. I was like, wait, what? And, um, he had said his mom was shot and killed on his front porch. And so we ended up waiting to hear back what was going on. We ended up picking him up. His mom was still there. Uh, long story short, it was a, a fight from the neighbors that ended up, she ended up catching a straight bullet when she was on the porch trying to see what was going on. And, uh, she was like 40 years old, passed away. And, um, when the news, when the news asked him, the news had asked him, like, what do you want to say to the people that got away? Um, he said, I, I want to tell them that I forgive them, and that, but I want them to turn themselves in. And uh, the news, and then went on to say how they asked, like, you know, how do you, like, how is it going to be with your mom, without your mom, you're going forward. And so they asked the sad questions. And when we saw the news piece from that night, it they took out all of the, I forgive them, please, but please turn yourselves in. And so I was standing behind the camera when he gave the interview. And so that's when I first started realizing they're doing this for ratings. They want to have a really sad story and they're doing the editorializing when he had his, his clear message to them was, I forgive you, but turn yourselves in, which is insane. A night after your, your mom gets taken out. Wow. And his dad, like six months before died from cancer and he like ran away from California, ran away in California. So he's a 19 year old kid with nobody but his stepdad. And so he's, he's like the palest, uh, he's the palest ginger kid and his stepdad's black. So so it's like, it's a, it's a fun, uh, fun relationship there. It's kind of funny. Holy shit. Yeah. I couldn't imagine seeing that unfold 
in real time where you have somebody that I mean, props to your singer because, you know, I think most people would probably want blood in that situation and maybe not. I mean, you know, hopefully nobody listening, myself, you never have to find out what that's like. But like to do something like that and then be put on the news and then for them to completely twist, a, I don't want to say a benign statement or like a benign situation, but something that would almost seem like a heartwarming because I mean, I feel like that would be a lot more of an encouragement to do the right thing and turn yourself in rather than I want you to turn yourself in because, you know, these people are terrible people. When you hear that, when when you preface it with, I forgive you, then once again, that's, that gives people room for redemption. But when you leave them no room for redemption, then, you know, what the fuck is the purpose? And then one of, one of them did end up turning himself in. One ran to Houston and uh, just uh, the guy that actually fired it went to Houston and got mm-hmm. away for say eight months, nine months. But um, that's so there's a lot of anger in our first album. That's where that that stems from. Um, but that's that's kind of the intro to me saying, oh, OK, these people lie. They want clicks or at the time it was just views. Mm-hmm. It was a local news station. It wasn't anything crazy. But if they're willing to lie, what is everybody else willing to do? Right. Yeah. And I, I talk about this all the time, but like the China stuff that you hear everybody waving their hands about the Uyghur genocide, you know, the genocide Olympics and um, all the stuff surrounding that. It's so interesting to me that a lot of people are able to discern propaganda about Russia and nobody seems to be able to discern propaganda about China. And, and like people just buy a lot of the stuff on face value um, from mainstream sources without thinking twice about it. It's like, or why are you so sure that this is correct? Because like China is a very, very strong economic competitor, quote unquote, which they're not really, but they present well. Um, Paper Tiger. Yeah, right. Paper yeah. Tiger. And people buy all that propaganda wholesale, but just don't question it about them. It, it's so... It's a very, very fascinating kind of deal. I think I think a lot of that stems from a mission as well, too. Mm-hmm. So earlier, because I kind of fell for it as well, yeah. just being, you know, being reactionary, like, well, Russia's doing this, but look what China's doing. Nobody's talking about mm-hmm. it. It's it's because nobody is talking about it. If there are some things happening with, with the Uyghurs, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. But when you don't have the news talking about something, you have the group that goes, they're not talking about it, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's one of those things, I think. And and then you have a side just kind of attach themselves to that narrative, whether it's true or not, but they just they want to have the contrarian viewpoint. Right. And so you'll see people just go after the and just repeat the rhetoric, repeat the rhetoric, and it's like has anybody figured out if this is true or not? Because we do see the drone footage or whatever where they're getting on a train, they're blindfolded. We don't have any context. But in China, they don't have, like you, you, I don't know if they would allow any, any drones to fly there. Cause, cause I was up at a, mm-hmm. I was up towards SeaTac the other day doing a project and I went to go fly my drone and the drone does not let you take off if you're in certain geo zones. Do you think the Chinese yeah. government would allow them to take a drone off near something like that? Especially if they're transporting mm-hmm. prisoners because somebody could attack them with something. Yeah. You can't yeah, no, fly around prisons no probably not um and like a a lot of the evidence that was put forth was proven to be bunk even by the people who did the research they came out and had to issue retractions on that whole Uyghur deal and the other thing is that um 
the U.S. had also trained them at one point back in like the 80s, like this specific population. So and what does every single war start with? It starts with human rights abuses, right? Assad's yeah. going to gas his own people, um, you know, the women in hijabs over in Iran. And then you see all these protests. So like there's always that pretext of demonizing a country, which you see a lot of that, you know, that happened all throughout Trump's presidency when you were when they were calling him a Russian asset, which yeah. was like the dumbest Insane. thing in the world yeah, yeah yeah because like now he he ramped up tensions with russia unnecessarily because he had to prove that he wasn't a russian puppet but now the thing is you see the no i'm not thing. watch this yeah well i'll we'll <laughs> sanction them oh what you, nuclear treaties <laughs> fuck these things um, hey watch watch me press the button watch <laughs> me press the button yeah I, I i have a bigger button a greater button the greatest button you've ever seen and i will use it on that little rocket man um but he's gonna Okay. They 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 painted him in the corner to do that too. Yeah. So it, it fit exactly what they wanted him to do. Right. And now the right doesn't have the same cultural pull that the left does. So nope. um, you don't see it quite as extreme, but you're seeing this same deal with the whole Beijing Biden thing. It's like, oh, well, he's me. He, he literally this past week, as we're recording this, he was over in Papua New Guinea signing like arms control treaties, the, which is um, Papua New Guinea, I believe, is a little bit south of China and it's a little bit north of Australia. We're putting B 52 bombers over to Australia, specifically aimed at China, going to yep. double Japan's military budget, specifically aimed at China. Um, we're protecting reefs in the Philippines, specifically aimed at China. Like all this stuff is going on to militarily cir encircle China and everybody's saying, oh, well, it's Beijing Biden. Like you cannot be this stupid, but I think it's by design. I think this whole Beijing Biden and then Trump's a Russian asset. This is specifically meant because the whole uh, Asia pivot in 2012 was to or was to focus on instead of terror wars to focus on to great power struggles with um, Russia and China. Well, wouldn't it be convenient if you had a Russian asset for a president to hype up one side of the culture and then Beijing oh, Biden on the other side of the culture? <laughs> exactly. And there's yeah. little tidbits of truth to both because like some of Trump's family members did have connections to Russia, but it was like nothing significant. Um, Biden, the the Biden crime family, they're corrupt as all hell. I mean, yeah. but they're capitalists. They're not like buying in. They're not being. They're not selling influence from the United States to China. They just like money, right? That's yeah. what it's about. It's not about the Chinese buying off Biden. They're not going to do that. He's he fucking built made in America. He calls up Citibank when he wants a couple bucks, right? He he's not owned by China. He's just getting money from them because he he figures he can do that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of either of them, but no, me neither. But I think there's a little bit more there with with Biden. Mm. Oh yeah, but, no, I, I but think, it's yeah. you can argue that it, yeah, they're CCP deals, blah blah blah. Mm. But I think it's more their CCP is behind every business. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know, man. I'm I'm not a fan of them. There, there's there's a lot there. I think, mm. uh, especially when you look into Biden's brother and what they did in Iraq. Was it Iraq mm. or Afghanistan? It was Iraq, right? I'm not sure. There, um, let me let me pull this up real quick. I think Politico actually came out with an article. Okay, I know his uh, his one son had I think it was Bo. His one son had died in the burn pits in Afghanistan, and that's where he got like cancer. Now, like what what you're referring to, I'm not sure. But like when it just comes to, like the CCP deals, yeah, there's definitely more there than there's the Russia right. stuff. But um, oh yeah, good. It's uh, it's called uh, the article's called Biden Inc. Uh, middle class. Over his decades in office, middle-class Joe's family fortunes have closely tracked his political career. And it talks about uh, Joe's brother, obviously his son, but this was put out in Politico by t in 2019. Yeah. So I think this is probably when uh, 
they thought they had a different candidate. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I remember seeing a whole bunch of articles detailing this out. I mean, all that stuff's legit. But um, I, I think, once again, people just miss the forest for the trees because it's like, look, we're militarily encircling China. And then Biden's going out saying that we'll militarily defend Taiwan yeah. in the event of an invasion, which um, I, I've covered it so many times on the show. Um it's people are missing that and just saying, Oh, well, look at these shady business deals. Well, yeah. And he should absolutely be held to account for those. But like the fact that we're flirting nuclear war with two nuclear superpowers. Oh yeah. It's absolute insanity. And people just have like no concept of this. Oh no. They're, they're pushing them into an alliance. Obviously they, they had some kind of economic alliance before their neighbors, but they're, they're forcing them into a military alliance, which is you guys are dumb. (laughs) <laughs> this yeah, is the yeah. dumbest strategy. What are you trying to do? Like, look at the landmass of Russia and China mm-hmm. together. It's humongous. It's, yeah. it's the biggest landmass we've ever. <laughs> the accordion. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so ridiculous. And um, you know, in, in if we had a real president or somebody that like knew what they were doing, we would like sell this stuff or like talk to the countries and trade with them. Or if they were bad actors, and we just wouldn't trade with them instead of going to war with them. Like this doesn't make sense. <laughs> what I, I wonder where these policies stem from. I know I know a lot of them stem from think tanks. Oh yeah, but I don't see the the staffers coming up with these policies at all. They're usually younger, and I don't know if they would support it unless they just get indoctrinated into the system that is DC. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who's supporting this. Are these the boomer people that won't let go of their positions in government, just like they won't let go of their positions on as like a longshoreman? That's why none of the jobs are open because they got a cake job. They're just raking in all the money. And they don't want to give up their job because, oh, I'm, I'm making $200,000 a year doing this job, doing absolutely nothing. I don't want to give this up. Yeah, I should well, have retired you, 10 years ago. But Yeah, a tertiary point to what you were saying there. It's like I kind of understand why a lot of the people our age kind of – look to socialism and see an appeal there because it's like you're getting screwed over by the elites and kind of like we've outlined throughout the entire show um the elites make out and all the lower class gets completely fucked and like now you have people our age that are trying to like build families and make a home but interest rates are like zero percent so you don't make any money through savings so you might as well just fucking spend the cash if you want to go to school and advance your career then that's going to be a ridiculous amount of money you can't ever default on that debt either and, um, you know, there's no like beginner level jobs that really pay the bills. So you have to go, you're, you're, it's like just this fucking cycle of torturing for kids our age and not to say you can't make it, but like, man, the fucking cards are stacked against you. If you want to do things yeah. the right way, get married, have a family and work a job, you know, it, it's just so fucking, it's difficult for people our age. So I don't blame them for saying like this system's fucked and we need government to come in and fix it. It's like, you're wrong in your solution, but yes, you're right in the diagnosis. Yes. And people have, people have a hard time actually having that discussion, even on the liber- uh, libertarian side, because they're like, well, you know, it's because of government or it's more right-wingers that do this. They're libertarians are really good at nuance, but right-wingers go, Oh, it's uh, student loans are so expensive because government. And then, um, uh, Socialists will go, it's because billionaires, it's like, hey guys, it's it's both of them. They're the same people. They're yeah. the same people, or they're funded by somebody that wants something. And it's it's tough because I think a lot of us want to get to the same places, but our our solutions are vastly different. Ours are gonna be uh, we got to do it by ourselves and then other people especially when you're in the cities when you're stacked on top of each other people want to have more of a group effort because your neighbor is literally 
behind a paper thin wall mm-hmm. a lot of times. And then obviously I don't, I don't live in an apartment, but we have, we have quite a bit of neighbors. We live in a pretty heavily populated area in Washington and I, I can see people how, how some people will have that appeal. Oh, we need more public transportation. We need this or that and blah, blah, blah. But what people fail to understand is that what they're going to do with that money is they're going to enrich one of their friends. They're going to go over budget because they do every time and um, you're going to get screwed. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a, we had a train thing happen in, in Washington. They're doing a, it's not a high speed rail. They're just expanding the rail system for public transportation. And, uh, they basically made our tabs go, my tabs cost me like $600. I don't know if you guys call them tags or tabs or whatever. Uh, the sticker you put uh, on your license yeah. plate. Yeah. My, my, uh, it went from like about 80 bucks, a mo- uh, 80 bucks a year to like $600 a year Ooh, uh-huh. for this, this rail. That's not even going to be done by like 2037 or something like that. So they're, they're taking money out now, obviously to fund it, but, the people that voted for it, a lot of them are lower class and they're like, wait, I have to pay how much for my car tabs? Yeah, it's like and that's... They, they didn't realize. We we tried to strike it down. Uh, we actually won a vote to strike it down. And then the Supreme Court of the of Washington was like, nope, mm-hmm. nope, too late. And then, but then we're still going to have to pay to use the public transit. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much did I pay out of public to, to pay this public transit? So you'll see like your, your tabs cost 80 bucks on the thing. And then all the rest is taxes for this project. It's like, yeah, $500 a year, 500 something odd dollars a year. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, it's the unintended consequences that we kind of always talk about when it comes to foreign policy, domestic policy and stuff like that. It's just people never realize how much that shit can actually come back to bite you in the ass where that free stuff that you think you're getting isn't so free. Um, you were mentioning some of your friends are like mostly blue as in like socialist Democrats because yep. the area that you live in. And uh, I went out to dinner with a friend of mine uh, just two nights ago. And I-, I actually really enjoy talking to people that are like completely opposite for me because it's like, I get to have my ideas challenge and I get to see things through their perspective that much more. And, kind of hacking back and forth at each other i don't know i enjoy it and because i'm not a dogmatic person um i I don't want to say my mind isn't changed but i I come away feeling like we made progress like we're we're, things are getting better you know yeah yeah Yeah, it's 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 super important to have discussions with people that disagree with you because otherwise you're just going to be in your echo chamber in you know since what 2011 when Facebook kind of gaining huge prominence, well, I'd say probably 2009 on before that was MySpace, you start to see people curate their bubbles. And I think that's why we have such a clash in the cold. We have a big culture war now because somebody goes, I'm going to block you. If you think this, I'm going to block you. If you think this, or I'm going to, I'm going to mute them because I don't like their ideas. And so over the course of 10 years, 12 years, you start having people that just live in echo chambers all the time. Mm-hmm. that can't handle having somebody else with a different perspective. And I think it's important for people to have some sort of empathy to be able to understand this perspective. You don't have to agree with it and walk away going, oh, you know what? I think I'm a socialist now. You know, you don't have to do that, but you have to have some empathy of why they can do it if you want to change their mind, because then you can come at it from that angle. You don't have to have a goal of convincing them that one thing's better than the other, but you should tell them why you think it is better than the other way. And bring up examples of, 
I don't like socialism because government. And then if you just say it like that, they're like, government's good. It's made by people. And it's like, okay, boom, 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 go down the Rolodex of, okay, this is why this situation, this situation, this situation. So how do you feel about how they handled this? Okay. This, 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 and that. And especially if you use their beliefs as an example, mm-hmm. um, but you don't have to be a dickhead about it. If you disagree, then just disagree and walk away. Yeah. I, I have friends that are very like hard on their sleeve and uh, mm-hmm. blue bleeding heart liberals and that they work for the state. And I have friends that are Ron Swanson, like smaller, smaller government, mm-hmm. but it, it's important to have a mix of those people. I think everybody should kind of seek out somebody that is their opposite politically so that they can, they can understand why they have those beliefs and maybe challenge yourself. Some people are scared to, I was, so back when I was a Christian, I was scared to listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, I didn't, I didn't admit it to myself because, uh, I knew he was one of the big atheist guys at the time. It was him and like Bill Maher and Sam Harris, uh, Sam Harris Dawkins. Uh, I still don't agree with a lot of their perspectives on that stuff, but Mm -hmm. I was scared to listen to those guys because I didn't want to be wrong. And you, you get kind of a weird ego shattering when I'm, I'm no longer Christian anymore, but you get kind of a weird uh, it's really hard to explain, but a piece of you go, a piece of you leaves yeah. and then you'll see, I've seen a lot of friends actually get that, uh, the piece that left filled back up with something like, uh, like paganisms. One of the things mm-hmm. like paganism or astrology or, uh, the last few years when sports were gone, it was politics for a lot of people. And, and that's, they latched onto it. Like it was part of their identity. Yeah. And I, so uh, it's important to it's important to talk to people that disagree with you strongly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of why I've like I don't want to say I've, I hate to say I moved on from libertarianism, but it's definitely not like my main focus on everything, especially going yeah. into like the election season. Um, I've been much more interested in talking about like intersexual dynamics or uh, even music stuff or you know resistance training. Like most of the people I've had on recently are like mostly related to yeah um resistance training stuff. And I don't know. I find that like more practical too. Like I'll still talk about political stuff, but I don't know. Sometimes you just got to take a step away and kind of you know go wholehearted in something else. And you know I see other people that are kind of getting way into libertarianism. I'm like okay that's cool. Just you know not for me right now. Yeah, and there's there can be moments where you get into it and just bow out. That's totally fine. Um, I'm trying to get out of the political stuff as well a little bit more because when you first when you first discover a lot of the stuff like anatomy of the state, you just go you get hyper fixated on things like that, especially me with my weaponized autism. But yeah, I, I think it's important to have other hobbies. But when they shut down your hobbies and you're not allowed to go outside, especially in the area that we were in, we we couldn't do much. Our business almost got shut down. I was a welder for six or seven years doing it and i also do video production work and our business was one of them that were like we're not shutting down so we had a job we had money we didn't have to worry about anything but they shuttle they were coming around and shutting down a lot of businesses Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people all they did was talk politics or what was going on with pandemic or vaccines or Mm -hmm. whatever but i i think it's important to have hobbies but when they shut down your hobbies you can't do much about it what what are you going to go? You can go protest mm-hmm. or you, you can continue doing it. Like a lot of us did, but when they're shutting down buildings where you 
participate in your hobbies or you go play shows and the venues are aligned with uh politically with the people that are doing it they're going to listen right so you can't go play your shows there's going to be no level of, of rebellion to be able to go play the shows and the people to come out and do that and still have some camaraderie so you have people that do kind of get sucked up in the the, the tribalist ways and mm-hmm. um luckily i'm trying to get out of the political stuff i'm doing more stuff we have a tv show coming up in uh in july my uh my buddy jared dines and i are filming a tv show uh it's gonna be called uh i think it's musician's mansion we rented a, a mansion up north mm-hmm. and we're gonna have some special guests out and a bunch of people and we're gonna we're doing a pilot for a game show so we got a couple sponsors for it so we have a uh, uh, distro kids one of them Sweetwater's gonna be the other one mm-hmm. and some musicians that people know will be there and it'll be super fun. Like we've, uh, I didn't mention it before, but I've done a lot of work with, uh, with Jared Dines. Mm-hmm. He's a buddy that I kind of grew up in the metal scene with. And I do a lot of his video work. I got to hang out with Howard Jones, which was super cool. We've got a documentary coming out at the end of the month as well. I see Kyle's looking at his watch. So I'm just, <laughs> no, no, no. My, <laughs> my, my mom had just texted me. That's all. I got a text from some random person. It's probably a hacker. Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, we've been going for like an hour and a half now. So yeah, I, I see you're kind of running along the plugs anyway. So yeah, let's go ahead and uh, wrap here and we'll definitely do it again sometime, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, you don't need to check me out anywhere. I'll be around Twitter. <laughs> Shooter, Shooter McKevin won. I had Shooter McKevin and then it was attached to my gamer tag and I was still an anonymous account. And then somebody took Shooter McKevin. So Shooter McKevin won because <laughs> I, yeah, I switched it off. But yeah, um, I would love to do it again and maybe I'll have some items posted out what we should do. I didn't even get into, uh, <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you about my, my dad being a drug dealer growing up. So I got some fun <laughs> stories, fun stories there. Yeah, dude, I got you. All right. Well, it was a blast. Um, you know, uh, hopefully everyone goes checks that stuff out because uh, your video work is awesome. And Thanks. I don't know how you know all that shit about computers because like I'm, I'm, you would think as a Cadillac technician, I know more, but I'm like, Ugh. necessity. all right man if you've got anything else we'll close her out cool all right take it easy you too when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.